Hello, my friends. Welcome back to Detox Podcast. I am Denise Walker, your host. If you're new here, welcome. Detox Podcast is a deep dive into my poetry collections, Pick Your Poison on Addiction and Recovery. Every episode, I dissect one of my poems. I go into it to describe my emotions, my experiences, and I present it to you in this way in order to create a place of solace, understanding, and relatability. Let's dive in. Well, here we are. Season two of Detox Podcast. Welcome. We're starting off with a poem called Susie. It's the first poem in Pick Your Poison Volume 2. If you don't have my books, that's totally fine. You don't need them to listen to this and understand it. If you're interested in buying my books, you're welcome to uh, go to my website, denisewalkerspeaks.com. Buy them in person or online at cityandsoul.ca. That is my business, my wellness collective that I own. Uh, or you can buy them on Amazon. But yeah, let's just get into it. We're going to be talking about cults, uh, addiction, abusive relationships, and what they all have to do uh, with each other. And cult dynamics is one of my favorite topics of discussion and to think about. And I don't know about you, but I'm pretty obsessed with cult dynamics. So I'm really excited for this podcast and I think we're going to be starting off with a bang here. So let's get started. It's a shorter poem, just four lines, called Susie. Let your walls become petals, soft and silky smooth. Unfold yourself, bloom into the flower you've always been. Mm, yep. So this is all about the idea of recovery not necessarily being recovery from an addiction, but uncovering the person you were before the addiction. The person that you were at your core throughout the addiction, but now not being stifled by the power of addiction and allowing yourself to unfurl and bloom and really thrive in sobriety. I'm asked often if it was hard to quit drinking. And sometimes, you know, I'm almost four years sober now, and sometimes I think like it wasn't that hard. <laughs> but then I'm struck again by memories or situations that I find triggering now, which aren't you know, not as frequent as they used to be, like nowhere near as frequent as they used to be, it used to be like daily, right? So looking back, revisiting some old emotions, I often say that if things were harder than they were, if my circumstances had been any more challenging, I don't know if I would have succeeded. And my therapist challenged me on that yesterday. He um, was like, well, do you still believe that? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. Um, but honestly, I think if I were to start drinking now, 
I think that it would be extremely, extremely difficult to succeed because all of my emotional energy was being channeled so strongly into sobriety. I didn't really have other things to focus on at the time other than writing poetry and going to work. But now because of sobriety, my life has exploded. It has blossomed. It has bloomed into this like magnificent, magnificent thing that I am fulfilled all the time. And my emotional energy is going into so many places like this podcast, like my business, like writing, like teaching meditation, all sorts of things. Even Instagram takes emotional energy, right? Especially if we're in an entrepreneurial role where we have to market ourselves and social media marketing is basically our main form of marketing these days. I'm of course having lots of fun creating reels and things like that, but uh, <laughs> it, it does take it does take energy. Not not gonna lie about that. Um, so as I was going through recovery, I obviously met so many people. I did something called Hip Sobriety School, which is now called Tempest Sobriety School, uh, run by Holly Whitaker, and I was in like quote unquote a class with other people who were in recovery. And I met so many people, I met so many friends all across the world, and one of which was Susie. And I always feel very deeply for her because her life seemed so much harder than my own. And there was always this strange reflection of like, okay, I'm really succeeding in sobriety. Why is it so easy for me? And I say easy uh, relatively um, because it wasn't easy, but easier than other people. And there's sort of this like guilt that comes along with it of when you succeed at something that was destroying you and you succeed in beating it or at least winning for the time being, and other people aren't succeeding. And next episode, we will talk about something called unconditional positive regard. Uh, so I won't get into it just now, but it was always really important for me to continuously reassure these people who, who weren't on the same timeline as me because everybody heals differently. Healing is not linear, it's cyclical. If you imagine uh, us looking like we wanna go from point A to point B, point A being addicted, point B being sober, it's not a straight line. It's actually more like a spiral where point A is in the middle of the circle and then it spirals outward, 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 revisiting addiction, revisiting addiction, coming back to it, coming back to the things that upset us, trigger us, make us happy. All of these experiences, we go round and round and round and round until we finally get to the outside of the circle where we've come up against these things so many times that we've sort of learned the lesson and we've learned what they look like. We learn how to work with these things instead of let them work against us. And finally, on the outside of the circle is point B. And it was always really important for me to reassure these people that like you are already the flower. You are already the flower. 
you've been trying to bloom this whole time and maybe the soil is too heavy or you haven't had enough water or the sun hasn't risen in a really long time in your life but you're just there right below the surface waiting to poke your head out and unfurl into this beautiful beautiful thing And I want to talk about the process also of going from point A to point B, because point A is typically a very destructive, negative, oppressive situation. Addiction keeps us trapped, and we all know that addiction is not a choice. It is the rewiring of the brain. It is recataloging drinking as a survival need into the midbrain it overrides the prefrontal cortex where our choice and decisions live so it is not a choice addiction is not a choice it is not a choice to pick up that bottle on your way home from work there are so many other things at play before choice is even on the radar And this is where I want to link it to other things. In a lot of ways, being addicted to a substance is very similar to being in a cult, as well as being in a toxic or abusive relationship, or even being in like a toxic job, any sort of toxic, harmful situation really i want to talk about cult dynamics first and i was listening to a podcast called the conspirituality podcast which i really highly recommend and uh, matthew remsky is one of the hosts i'll link this in the show notes so you can find it if you're interested uh he was talking he's a cult researcher he was in cults himself yoga cults specifically and He was talking about how in cults, he had interviewed another guy who was a specialist in uh, cult deprogramming. And they were talking about how in things like Scientology, you can't just kidnap somebody and remove them from the cult and expect them to thrive. This goes for drinking as well, or using whatever substance or any sort of negative sort of compulsive behavior where you can't just stop and remove yourself from it without doing anything else. Because the dynamic in the cult or in the addiction or in the abusive relationship, you're in one limited, oppressive, harmful environment And if you are just like stolen from it, like specifically like kidnapped essentially by your friends and family, taken out of the cult, you're going from one powerless situation to another powerless situation. You're going from one oppressive situation where you're being told exactly how to be, who to be, what to do, what to believe, And when you are just taken out of it, kidnapped, removed, 
you are then in another situation where somebody has power over you. Your friends and family have decided what is best for you and are now creating this uh, new environment where you are not in control. You are powerless and it's another oppressive structure over you. And so what is very important is creating a place to land. Because when we are in addiction, we are in a very unpleasant situation. We feel very trapped, we feel powerless, and we feel immense guilt and shame. And if our point B, our sobriety, isn't a welcoming, loving environment, then it'll be that much harder not to return to the addiction and not return to the original oppressive situation. And I'm speaking right now to those who are friends and family members of somebody who is struggling with addiction. Tough love is a very tricky thing and it may not be your best option here. If you are taking somebody from an oppressive situation like addiction is and moving them into a place that you think is best and you are trying to control them and their actions and you are not meeting them with love and unconditional support, then that makes it harder for them. Loving someone with addiction, I understand, can be very, very difficult. And if you can, if you can position yourself in a place of love, it is so vital to the healing of that person because we don't love ourselves in addiction. There is a lot of self-loathing. There's a lot of guilt. There's a lot of shame. We're already experiencing it. We don't need the outside world to hammer that on. We get it. We fucked up. We fuck up all the time. We made so many mistakes. We made, we've created harm. We are embarrassed. It's, it's time for the shame and the guilt to end and for the love to begin. And if you are the one who is in the addictive cycle, self-love is where it begins. If you don't have this, um, this point B landing zone set up with friends and family kind of thing, this is, this is where you come into play and you get to take your power back. You get to create your own landing zone. Make it as cushy and luxurious and warm as you possibly can. Fill it with positive affirmations and things that make you feel good and happy. Because we know when we're in addiction or we're in a cult or we're in a, an abusive situation, we didn't ask to be there. And it's not a choice to remain there. Because in many of these situations, it is the toxic situation that creates the pain, right? It's the abusive partner. It is the abusive boss. It is the cult leader. It is the uh, big alcohol society we live in that has 
promoted the consumption of alcohol from the moment that we were born. We were hammered with alcohol propaganda that it is good for us. It uh, cures heart disease or keeps at least keeps heart disease away. We don't have to go to the gym if we drink one glass of red wine a day. Uh, it makes us social. It cures our anxiety. It cures our depression. It helps us sleep. All of these lies about why we need to use it. This deep lie of connection and reprieve. It's the thing that causes the pain. And yet, it's the only thing in that cycle that can then take the pain away. There is a lineage of yoga, which I believe is, a, is Ashtanga yoga, where the positions are so rigorous and intense and painful, and the followers of Ashtanga, especially in the early stages of it, contorted their bodies and forced their bodies into these painful positions. And they were so sore and in pain and suffering because of this unhealthy physicality that they were partaking in under the belief that it was some sort of doorway to more awakened consciousness and unity. Yet it was then the next day, the only thing that would relieve the physical pain was to go back to the mat and move the body again in these ways. Just like how the pain of a hangover and the self-loathing and the promising that you're never going to drink again, by the end of the day, the only thing that was going to let that anxiety subside and that depression subside and those haunting thoughts and intrusive thoughts subside was alcohol again. And there is this thing that happens when we leave a toxic situation we start to romanticize our experience and often we will be entangled with the idea that, well, some of the experiences I had with it were good. And that's something that keeps us really stuck. I know for me, some of the really hard things was like coming up against moments in the summertime where people were having drinks on patios um, or at music festivals, uh, going on vacation and getting drunk with your friends, these like social things that created um, sadness in me because I felt like I was missing out. I felt like I was on the outside of the in-joke. I felt like I was I didn't belong anymore, you know? And I kept thinking, well, these were the good parts. 
of my addiction were the connection with other humans and you know lowering of inhibitions so that the conversations were easier and more intimate and these memories of going on vacation with my partner and tasting beer and bonding over specific breweries and having these things in common and trying to reconcile the idea that some things were good and some things were bad and another thing that Michael Remsky said was that none of it was good all of it was bad And that might be a hard pill to swallow. But that's part of this spiral healing process from point A to point B. It is a disentanglement from identifying with our oppressive situation, thinking that some parts of it were good and really getting some clarity on what it was. But how can we get that clarity if we're not, if we're not in a safe environment to look at it? Everything on the inside of the situation was bad and there is always a fear of leaving because we don't know what life looks like that was one of my biggest fears when coming up against sobriety was what does sobriety look like i had no con concept of that i thought i was going to be in pain i thought i was going to be in a full body nervous system response all of the time i thought i would always feel like an outsider always alone always suffering always angry, always afraid. But in the reality, it was the addiction that made me those things. Everything on the inside is bad and the outside is good. The outside is good, so let's do whatever we possibly can to create that landing zone for ourselves. Surround yourself with people who love you. Find an online community support system where you can be met by love. Some people who understand. There are many, um, many online communities for sobriety. I know there's ones on Clubhouse. I don't have Clubhouse because I have an Android and they only allow iPhone users right now. There's She Recovers, which is for anyone who identifies as female, uh, which is all on Facebook. And that's, they're on Clubhouse too, but mainly on Facebook. And they have a gigantic community of people in all different uh anything anything that you're recovering from their their kind of uh manifesto is we're all recovering from something so whether it be 
um, gambling, substances, eating disorders, cancer, grief, whatever, you are welcome there. You are already the flower, my friend. You've always been the flower. Allow yourself to bloom. I know it's scary. I know it's terrifying to walk into the unknown. And you can't control everything. It will never be perfect. And I don't want you to take this as like, oh, well, um, I don't have people who love me or I don't have people who support me in the way that I need as a reason to keep drinking. Because in that case, then you, you must become the safe place. And I know that that can be difficult because when we are addicted to something, we break our self-trust every single day, right? Every time we say, okay, today is going to be the last day. Tomorrow is going to be the start of something different. But then we repeat the behavior again. We've broken our self-trust. And it's not intentional. And like I said, it was not a choice. But the trust is broken um, either way. So what you can do now to regain that trust is just small little gestures. I want you to pick like one thing because I understand, especially coming from uh, a negative behavior pattern, we've tried so many times probably to create better structures in our lives and they just haven't worked. I know for myself that if I try to do too many things at once, it's like a house of cards and it just comes crashing down. So I need to do one card at a time and I want you to do one card. And this card, before we build our house of safety, love, structure, our point B house, our, <laughs> our, our white picket fence house, whatever you want it to look like. Uh, choose one thing that you can do every single day. And I want it to be super, super, super small. Like... The first thing you do in the morning is have a glass of water. Or every single day you write one line about how you're feeling. Every single day you do three minutes of meditation. Something ridiculously manageable, okay? Nothing like I'm going to meditate for 30 minutes in the morning, 30 minutes in the evening. I'm going to eat only lettuce. Uh, I'm going to go to the gym every single day. Like none of that. No, you're off the hook. Okay, you're off the hook. All you have to do is one little good loving gesture to yourself and to your body. Even if you are still drinking or binging, or whatever it is, that's it. And 
if you are not the one struggling and it's your friend or your family member who is struggling, this is what I want you to do. I want you to message them one positive affirmation every day. Things like, I love you. Or you are perfect just the way you are. Really beautiful, affirming, loving statements. Things that boost people up because what addiction does is tear us down. There's a process in AA, and I think if it's framed correctly, it probably can work. Um, I'm not an AA person. I don't have that much experience of it, so I'm not going to talk negatively about it. Um, but there is just this concept of becoming humble in AA and really like surrendering your humanness and realizing the pain you've caused and these sorts of things. Um, but, but we don't necessarily need to become humble. Uh, this is something that was taught to me by Holly from Hip Sobriety or now Tempest is that especially as women, our humility is something that is used against us. Our soft, gentle, personable nature is used against us. And especially if we have been repeatedly uh, dampening ourselves with addictive substances or addictive behaviors or caught in these uh, relationships that are abusive, whether it be a whole cult structure or an MLM, or an abusive relationship. We need to be empowered again. We need empowerment, not humility. We need to regain this self-trust and this self-confidence, self-love, to stand tall in who we are, instead of continuously allowing ourselves to talk negatively to ourselves and beat ourselves up and shame ourselves and guilt ourselves because you don't deserve that. No matter what you've done, you don't deserve that. What you do deserve is love, acceptance, safety, and validity. Validation. Validation. You are a beautiful human and you are just a flower waiting to bloom. You have it in you. It is in your nature. This is what flowers do. They don't play small. They open up and they reveal their inner beauty to the world. They allow what, what's on the inside to be exposed to the sunlight and to the air and to the atmosphere. And yes, like the winds can be harsh and the rains can be hard, but in the right conditions, you can persevere and grow even more strong and beautiful than you ever thought possible.
just like a flower like how can how can you root in unfertile soil that has been drained of nutrients and support and is arid and cracking how do you grow if you do not have these nutrients and water I know that it can be so easy to isolate. I've even noticed it in very nuanced, subtle ways that I myself have been isolating. Even though like I am doing super awesome, my life is so good, but still I'm pulling back. And I know right now, if you're listening to this in real time, right now we're in the middle of a pandemic. Yes, it's 2021 and the pandemic still rages and we are isolated and we are disconnected and it's affecting me and it's affecting everyone that I know and I'm sure that on at least some level it's affecting you. Whether or not you allow yourself to realize it or not. Or maybe it's like super, super affecting you and you know. And we're just like rapid fire cycling through trauma responses now. I'm sure maybe you've noticed and other people are much more reactive and opinionated and uh, and things like that lately. And maybe you've noticed that in yourself as well. Um, I know I've had a lot more conflict in my life now than I think I ever have. And I'm trying to walk through it and see conflict as a doorway instead of a wall and allowing myself to to see what's on the other side versus just walking away and I'm learning a lot but it turns out I have a defense mechanism that doesn't really like conflict a whole lot it's uh, developed through my whole life <laughs> um, and I'm trying to dismantle it I'm trying to like think my way around it but it's starting to disconnect me from people I, I can feel it. I can feel myself isolating from other people because I don't want to be met with conflict. And it feels like almost every single interaction is like loaded. And so I get it. Even when we're four years sober, we might be isolating and disconnecting. But in order to heal, we must open. This is a theme that comes up over and over and over. We must open up. We must allow ourselves to be vulnerable, allow ourselves to push past the fear of what the other side looks like. And know that there is sun and refreshing water and nutrients in that soil if we only were to stretch out our roots and explore a little bit. If we were only to let our leaves uncurl and grace the sky. If only we were allowed to open our petals and meet the bees who will carry our pollen to the other flowers. Again, this poem was called Susie.
let your walls become petals soft and silky smooth unfold yourself and bloom into the flower you've always been i love you you are loved you are worthy you are perfect and there is nothing wrong with you see you next time